We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Happy Thursday, everyone. I haven't said that before. I usually don't acknowledge our Thursdays, but happy Thursday. Welcome to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper into life than you may do on your own, because we like to go deep. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, offering you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. My name is Callie Alpert coming to you from the Hudson of Central Hudson Valley in New York State with my dear friend and co-host, spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. Hi, Callie. Hi. Well, here's the deal. Tell me the deal. It's a beautiful day in L.A. (laughs) Uh A light wind from the southwest. And yet I'm a little stressed out. (laughs) I really appreciate these ever so natural and organic segues that you make to introduce our show. So you beat me to it. I was going to ask you if you're stressed out. Yeah, I've been stressed stressed out out thinking about this topic. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to pose the same question to our dear listeners. Dear listeners, are you stressed out? How many times a day, how many times a week do you hear yourself Use that word. Do you separate out big and small stressors? Do you have the tools to walk through each of them? Well, today, stress-free living. And doesn't that sound appealing? It's not often that we hear those words set together. We will break down the different triggers for stress, how your body responds, and what you can do to walk through the stressors with a little more peace and resolve. Mm. So, (laughs) you like that? I do. Okay, good because I need you for this one. Um, So before we jump into it, you know, I just think about how often this word or the expression, I'm so stressed out, has been used and overused for so long in American culture. I can't speak to other cultures. And to the point where I probably have gone out of my way not to use it. Mm-hmm. Because you wonder, like, to what degree do you have to feel stress, at least me, to feel stress, to feel like it warrants mentioning beyond oh. all the normal everyday mm-hmm. stresses. And so in us having this conversation and preparing our research for the show, I've gained already a better appreciation of the different levels of stress and how everybody else has their own unique experience. So I think that's what we really aim to focus on today is how we can, the parts that are universal and then the idea of also honoring the parts that are very unique based on our own personal fabric. Yeah, I mean, the thing that we can uh, start out with is that stress is a unique signature. Mm. Everybody has a different relationship to stress. I know people who get stressed just because the sun is out. <laughs> right. And, and they, they, they mm-hmm. like darkness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing bad to say about that. Um, what we can say is everybody has a different sensitivity to life events. Right. Some of those sensitivities are physical. A lot of them are attitudinal, and uh, we want to honor all of those, but also know that you don't have to have a intense reaction necessarily to the events of your life. Right, and that's one of the things that we will also aim to do in the show today is to help people process their stresses, honor their stresses, come back to center so that their stresses don't take them over. And then maybe even ideally create a little bit more space where no matter what happens in your life, it really doesn't throw you off or, um, or lure you in for, for too long a period of time. Meaning that you're more in the flow. In the flow. Yeah. 
So the flow, I mean, the flow means that the stuff that's coming at you isn't taken in in intense ways to make you out of balance. Mm. Because part of the definition of stress is our response or reaction to something that imbalances us. Which is not, yeah, that's interesting because it's not automatically what you think about. That's definitely a more sort of clinical um, definition. So before, let's let's get into that. Let's speak a little bit about what stress actually is and how we react to it. And we're going to start physiologically. Before we do that, we just want to invite anybody who'd like to call in, share stories, get some advice, share some thoughts. The number today, every day here on Unity <laughs> is 816-251-3555. Join us. We would love to hear from you. So what is stress? Let's talk a little bit more about what that is and physiologically what happens to our bodies and our brains. So stress is, again, it's a reaction to an external event that causes us to feel imbalanced. When we feel very imbalanced, what's really happening is that I'm going to use the big word here, Amygdala. Your favorite word. I love amygdalas. And each each of us has two of these. They're two little glands, one on the right, one on the left side of the brain, mm-hmm. that look like walnuts. Mm-hmm. And in Italian, amygdala means walnut. I know. I kind of love that. It's sort of Don't hilarious. You? Yeah. And as I said to you a few days ago, it's actually sort of funny that, you know, walnuts also a really good brain food. Uh, yes, so it just the, all kind of fits together. Yeah, the black walnut, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to get back on that distinction. We'll get back. We'll, we'll do another follow up on walnuts. that. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is the amygdala is like the body's radar, and the radar is moving back and forth, scoping for um, triggers, fears. Um, once you have a trigger, the, the amygdala gets triggered you're having a stress reaction. And then what happens is you have an increase in your pulse, Mm -hmm. your eyes dilate, your heart starts pounding. If it's a big one, like a lion coming towards you. A fight or flight experience. It's like we have in the streets in New York City. Mm -hmm. And right now they've changed that a little. It's called fight, flight, or freeze. I haven't heard that. Yeah, that's the new one. So you can just freeze and go comatose and get eaten. Mm -hmm. But those three are the possibilities and your body's really creating the biochemistry in order to deal with the two, fighting or fleeing. And we usually don't do either. And then what happens is all those toxins get into the body. They are produced by the like the response to stress, and then they uh, kind of toxify the liver. And that's why. Did you know? I, did you know those things? Um, well, not in the most, not in the beautifully eloquent, like linear way that you just kind of s- played out that trajectory. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that stress is a chemical thing. Yeah. I think often when people talk about stress and health. Um, they might not be thinking of it from a physiological chemical perspective. They might be thinking about it more from like an emotional perspective or my back is tight or my neck hurts, but no one's thinking about that middle piece in between where it's actually linked by chemistry and physiology. Yeah. And that's really why the neck hurts or mm -hmm. the back hurts, or especially the stomach gets upset. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody, all of us have had bad stomachs because of stress. Now, also, if we want to get a little woo for a minute, though, um, beyond the physiology and the chemical piece is that, you know, a lot of people, because I I know we're both very chakra sensitive and, you know, are aware Mm -hmm. of our energy centers. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to, you know, be mindful of the different parts of your body and how they respond to or um, represent different energy fields and different emotions are tied to each of those chakras. Um, so I don't know if that's chemical or not, but I know like when I hold stress, when I, you know, and I think a lot of women, especially either hold it in their belly, like their second chakra or in their heart area. So is that also physiological and chemical or is that more like spiritual, energetic, Kundalini, woo woo-y? I'd say it's both woo woo and scientific. Mm -hmm. How about both? I'll take both. I'm all about duality. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> it's definitely both. Um, so one of the other things that you, you made this point already is that stress is a very, uh, everyone has a very unique uh, relationship to stress. And I think this is one of our first points to really underscore for people. I'm going to give a shout out to a very long time, old dear friend of mine, Amy, who said this to me once, I don't know, 15 years ago, I was crying to her about something that I was upset about in my life. And in the same sentence, I said, but I don't feel like I should be complaining about this. There's people starving and there's people going through major trauma and the global issues in the world. And how should I even, you know, I'm, I'm being self-indulgent and I was judging myself while I was trying to feel my feelings. And she said to me, you know, why bother to do that? Everyone's fabric is unique and you should still honor what your personal experience is. There's validity to that. Um, I still have a problem with that. I still only half ass it, you know, but to your point about that, let's, let's speak a little bit more about how like the same two people could be going through the exact same experience that some would say a textbook would say it was extremely traumatic and one would deal with it super very differently than the other one would. What is that about? Well, um, first of all, imagine two people or three people at a bus stop. The bus doesn't arrive on time. One of those individuals has a very important meeting with their boss. One of them is going to the museum. And one of them doesn't want to go anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you're going to have three very different reactions. Even if two people had a meeting with their boss... You could imagine that one person who'd been practicing mindfulness for 30 years would understand was that that was the universe was dealing that hand at the moment. Right. And there was something better going to occur and not to take it personally. And the person who didn't practice mindfulness for 30 years was having to take a pill because he his heart was racing. Mm -hmm. So. There are three different responses and everybody responds differently. Right. So I guess the first point of our show today is it's all okay. And you have to honor what your true experience is. You know, we're not talking yet about things like people that um, are hyper complainers or perseverate about the same thing to their own disadvantage. We could get right. into that later, but on balance, we're giving everybody permission to feel whatever it is that you're feeling to some healthy degree. Right. 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 So we have a few callers um, that are starting to pile up for us. So right before we get to them, I just want to cover one more base, and then we'll take our first caller of today. Um, what are some of the ways that – let's talk about trauma. Like when you have traumatic – when you have a history of trauma, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, if you went through some um, difficult – well, there's, there's such a range. If there was abuse, psychological, physical, sexual abuse, if you had whatever kinds of trauma in your life – um, are you apt to respond differently because your makeup already has that reflex built into it than somebody who might not have those same sort of old triggers? Absolutely. And it's a good thing to talk about after the caller. But the idea is that you already find life to be dangerous. Mm, so you're predisposed to like being on the lookout for fearful situations. It's something that I find in my practice all the time. People who have been traumatized, traumatized means that you've experienced a terrifying event. And people who've been traumatized often are always vig very ultra vigilant right. about something else that's going to happen mm. to them. Right. So to have to unpack that and yeah. look at the world from a clean slate is in and of itself a, um, a life process. It really is. And then one of the other distinguishing factors is that when that happens, there's basically, I mean, again, there's a whole range, but there's two ways that people will tend to react based on their trauma history, right? They'll either go inward, which can manifest itself in depression, withdrawal, Anxiety, In, anxiety, internalizing feelings, or they they might express it outwardly, which has more to do with acting out, being more rageful, getting addicted to sex, drugs, alcohol, video addiction, etc. Rock and roll and rock and roll. That one might be so not as dangerous to be addicted to <laughs> as long as you behave carefully. All right. So with that, let's take our first caller. 
Caller, are you there? Try one more time. Are you Caller, are you on the me? line? There you are. Hi. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, my name is Jan. I'm calling from L.A. Hello, um, Jan. I had a lot of... Hi. I, I, you've almost answered my question. There's a little piece. Um, I had a lot of stress growing up in a dysfunctional mm. family, and sometimes I do think I have PTSD uh, because mm. of that. What exactly is the difference between stress and, and trauma? That's a great question. I'm going to let you take that as the professional psychotherapist. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, one thing, I mean, I could just yeah. just say really quickly or just reflexively is that they're deeply interconnected to each other. Right. And so trauma, as I was speaking about before, is a mental condition created by a terrifying event. And if that event is strong enough, then you have something called post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD, that Jan just mentioned. And if you have that, you could have nightmares, you can have flashbacks. We have a little bit of, it sounds like our caller might be in the car, we're hearing a little bit of, I'm gonna, we, we've got her question, so I'm gonna put you on hold, Jan, and we're gonna still um, answer your question. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So post-traumatic stress syndrome, nightmares, agitation, anxiety, depression, terrifying events. We've read about them, things that happen in war, right? tanks that get blown up, people who are being stalked by a bear in the woods. People Not that they survive genocide, like cultural genocide and right. crimes and violence and... And so let's take it, it would be interesting to take it the way Jan was talking about it. Because I had PTSD for a long time. Maybe I can't put it in the same category as somebody who was in a war. Mm -hmm. But for me as a kid, it felt like a war. And my father, uh, you know this story, and I have met, maybe mentioned it before on the program, but every Saturday, my father would sit down calmly at his desk and start paying the bills. And within five minutes would start actually screaming yeah. at the top of his lungs that we couldn't afford. He couldn't pay the bills and we would go to the poorhouse. That was so stressful. And I'll, we talk about stress over time that I started having PTSD, mm. where I thought for so many years that I was going to be destitute. Now I can, you want me to finish the thing, the difference? So Yeah, please. So trauma is a terrifying event, a mental condition from a terrifying event. A stress is a reaction to something that happens in your life. So we can have um, stress without trauma, right? But we can't really have trauma without stress, right? And so um, there are a lot of gradients here, but coming from a dysfunctional family like I did, I would say yes to Jan that there's PTSD, and stress is associated with that, even when these uh, flashbacks come up. Mm -hmm. So it's a long answer. Mm. You know, I often, so Jan, we hope that you heard that and thank you very much for your question. Um, this is something I've thought about a lot more in my own personal process in the last five or seven years is having grown up in a household there with a lot of fighting and a lot of tumult and a lot of histrionics um, where I, again, I didn't know it at the time. So it's only in retrospect as I do more work on myself and also just let more stuff come up and kind of try to wit witness myself in the world as an adult that I realize how much stress slash trauma I may have experienced. At the time, I didn't know that. I never used these words. And in fact, when I was growing up, I um, was very conditioned to be told by, especially by my dad, how 
resilient I was, how, oh, you let that, you always let things roll off your back. You're so strong. You get, you recover so quickly. And it was always celebrated that whatever, and it was, stress was not a word we were actively using, but it was something that was celebrated that I was uh, moving through things quickly. Now I wonder if that's such a virtue or if it's because I was sublimating and burying a lot of stuff that I didn't even know was going on because I was just a little kid trying to survive in a very difficult household. So, you know, I don't, that's why I'm confused about my relationship with stress because part mm -hmm. of me is still judgy about when other people complain about things or express things that I do. I judge and evaluate. I try not to, I'm aware that I do it. Um, not one of my, you know, not a proud moment, but an honest one where I think, Oh, that sounds like so small and at the same time encouraging everybody to want to honor their own feelings and stresses. But then I wonder if part of it had to do with whatever, um, mechanism I developed as a, in my formative years that didn't honor the fact that it was stress. It's such a, uh, it's perfect because there are a lot of factors there. One factor is that children have an extraordinary gift of being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And they don't carry a lot with them. Right. It allows children to survive their childhood. I think I've said before that 98% of us come from dysfunctional families. So how are you going to survive? You, one, of the re, one, one of the ways you're going to do that is be in the present moment. Right. Uh, given that, you also probably sublimated what was going on just like I did mm -hmm. because it was too much for me and I didn't have words. I didn't have expression right. to say, hey, you guys, you know, this, this isn't, isn't cool. fair and this isn't good and I'm right. scared. And I didn't have that ability. Right. So I pushed it down. Right. So therein lies some of the ways that the early seeds of our relationship with stress get born, often in our early years, because that's when we're learning our coping mechanisms, even though we don't know it at the time. Um, with that, I want to get another caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Is that me? It is you. Hi. What is your name and where are you calling Hi. from? Uh, this is Nikki, and I'm calling from San Diego. Hello. Hi, Nikki. Hello. Do you know what stress is? Oh, my God. <laughs> I couldn't believe I would send you my picture as a before, um, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm right on cue with the trauma and everything. Um, I actually allegedly have uh, complex PTSD, which now I think they're being more aware of, complex, if it's multiple things. So I definitely have a trauma background. I know about the amygdala. I took a amygdala retraining program and, um, I think my body oh, wow. is surviving on the amygdala, the kidneys, and the muscle that makes your jaw grind the smallest. Those are my <laughs> strongest um, organs. Interesting. I, Interesting. I, I'm very grateful. I, I, I feel like you guys are going to wish that I didn't call in because I, I have to be honest. My response to hearing the topic, which I need and I want tools for, but it was almost, almost, how do I say this, like almost mad because there's just such a continuum of, you know, minor problems in life or severe issues. And um, I find that, like, I'm in such, you know, current situations of, of, you know, severe health issues and things that are, there's no way they can't cause stress. So I'm not getting, I'm not explaining myself well, but um, of course I want to reduce stress. I want the tools, but sometimes Something can seem like, you know, a band-aid that you're putting on a on a broken leg or, again, it's that continuum. Maybe somebody's just a little off and, you know, they're stressed because they can't find the right eyeshadow color. And um, mm -hmm. Steve mentioned sunlight, and I actually am one of those people that have a severe something happened to my eyes, an injury, and I cannot handle light. So I'm trapped inside till 7 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So for me, stress mm -hmm. is literally opening the door. Or figuring out how to cover a crack under the door or how am I going to get something I need when I can't go out and get it. So I right. am in a lot of stress. And when I hear that it's easy for people just, oh, you know, de-stress, then I feel separate. And that the other thing, too, is like I don't know if anybody feels where you feel bad about it. Like now you feel bad that you have stress or it adds to the stress because I know how bad stress is for us. 
but I don't know how to not be stressed, similar to sleep. You know, when you hear how bad it is not to get sleep, but you don't sleep up. Okay, I'm not sure where my question is in there, but I'm very grateful for the topic. And, you know, if you really have some serious stuff, how do you, you'd almost have to be numb not to have stress. I mean, and my amygdala is just trying to help me survive. It's doing its job, but we're definitely stressed. Yeah, I, will, well, I just, so put me yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Future, if you want. Did you finish, Nikki? Was there something else you wanted yeah. to say? I'm sorry if I no. stepped over you. No. Okay. No. Um, so we have a minute remaining before we throw to commercial. So we're definitely going to ask you to hold on with us so we can give this some proper proper due. One thing I will say about the light, too, is that there are people that um, suffer with lupus that have non-light sensitivities that are, can't be out in sunlight at all, that have to wear special clothing, mm-hmm. that have to use special filters on their windows. And um, so we just mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that, you know, there's a lot of different levels of people that and light sensitivity it's not always a you know a frivolous thing um it sounds like uh i'm just going to try to hear a question inside of there and then um when we come back we'll uh we'll we'll try to answer it a little bit more fully but i think what i'm hearing is sort of what we set up earlier which is when you're bogged down with so many different things that are challenging in your life how do you keep yourself out of a place of judgment and a safe a place of sort of self-love and honor so that you can number one acknowledge what you're experiencing before you take the steps to actually relieve yourself of um so with that let's hold for a minute we're going to throw to break and when we come back we'll continue with nikki's question and we'll talk to you about ways to relieve yourself of stress we'll be right back Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, everybody, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about stress-free living. We've spent the first half of the show talking more about stress itself and how it um, impacts us and our relationship with it. We're going to turn, make a turn shortly after we speak to um, Nikki a little bit further and try to help her with her question um, about the different ways that you can create a better relationship with stress and lighten the load. So even some of the harder stressors in life don't take you over. So, um, first of all, Nikki, are you still with us? I am. Thank you so okay. much. So let's try to let's see if we can honor your question a little bit. Um, so right before the break, we were just trying to kind of streamline what at least I think I was hearing from you in terms of wanting to figure out how, when you're, when you feel like you're burdened and piled on with so many different stressors, how do you number? How do you work your way through them? But also, how do you not judge yourself and create more stress in the process of trying to calm yourself down and work through them? Right. Yes, that's good. And they're not imaginary stresses or little ones. They're like real things, and they're happening now. It's not just like, oh, this happened to me before, and I'm still thinking about it, or fears for the future. You know, so when you're when they're Understood. really like now things. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. Thank you for sharing that. So um, let let me jump in here. This situation that you're in, and I would say that many people are in, is very, very difficult because you're not dealing with um, an event like, as you said, can't find my eyeliner. You're dealing with very serious physical problems that are ongoing. And when things are ongoing, you were right to say that not only are they stressful in, in themselves, but they cause more stress. So not only did they cause more stress, but there's a, a word in psychology and uh, physiology, which is a hijacked amygdala. I always mm. like that word. Yeah, it sounds like a blast. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And when your amygdala <laughs> is hijacked, it means that your body keeps responding over and over and over not just to normal stress, but even to maybe more lightweight stress because it's just in that mode. I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting that's you. So how do you it deal is. with that? It is. 
It is you. You have a hijacked amygdala? Yes, I'm pretty sure I would have to. Okay. So obviously for me, um, how does one deal with that? Doing psychotherapy would be my first choice because, you know, that's the hat I wear. And uh, finding a way to navigate through a very difficult minefield. And I'm emphasizing that because, Nikki, it's a very difficult minefield. And I give you a lot of credit for having dealt with it for so long. Mm. It's very trying. It's very enervating. Uh, It can create pessimism about life. And so in as much as you were laughing on the phone before, I'm going to say I'm so glad you can still laugh at times. Mm. So psychotherapy is one thing. Um, Meditation is another thing. I don't know if you can exercise. Doing things that make you happy, uh, that you can do, maybe not in the daylight, but at night. Uh, those are some of the things, because I there's no specific answer that we can give you outside of, you know, going to a professional. But we certainly feel for what you're going through. And I know what you're going through, and my heart goes out to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And ho- Thank hopefully, you. some of what we um, some of what we offer in the remainder of the show could help to b- become a little bit more concrete in terms of helping you. Was there something else you wanted to say? Um, no, I, I I really appreciate that. I think that um, uh, yeah, there's this you know yeah. I don't know how to verbalize it, but and the word demoralization, which is a different topic, really came was given to me recently. That like if you have mm. something that for so long you try and you feel you don't have agency over efficacy over you know your life, and so there is that sense of powerlessness in a bad powerlessness, way. right? So like how to continue to you know, and it's a constant stressor in my nervous system is, and part of it is physiological, too much light causes the release of epinephrine. So it is this constant cycle. But anyway, I appreciate what you said. And even just hearing, you know, compassion, sometimes just hearing someone hears you and there's compassion versus the spiritual bypassing and just jumping to, oh, you know, the happy, the, um, I heard a term lately called bright-sighted which is like when people just jump right mm, over into, oh, it's all As great. a verb, interesting. Mm-hmm. We understand. Thank you. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for calling in and being so um, vulnerable with us too. We appreciate it. And mm. hopefully more of what we um, talk about might bring you a little bit more relief as well. So thank you so much. So... Yeah, again, I mean, stress is a word that is so overused, and yet it's a very real and deep thing. And there's people that deal with it, you know, that have very different um, levels of it and experiences with it and deal with it in different ways and have different faculties and constitutions and all kinds of things. Um, The other thing that we just want to acknowledge also that we haven't talked about yet today is the collective stress. You know, this past year with a global pandemic is a great example of a common stressor that every single human on this planet is experiencing at relatively speaking the same time in very unique and different ways. So in some ways it's sort of um, a macro definition of everything or a macro expression of everything that we're talking about. And does that change too, you know, in terms of like, how do you manage your, you know, your macro stresses of the world and the collective stress of a pandemic or whatever is going on in the globe that impacts you. And so much has come along with that. And then your own micro experiences every day, or are they the same on some level? Are they triggering the same thing? They just look different. Well, if, if you're talking about things that happen around the globe, that you're not directly involved in, right, but that stimulate your fear and your imagination. That would be a stressor. If you're talking about the pandemic, that would be a trauma. Mm -hmm. And it would be a trauma because if you go outside, you could catch COVID-19 and die. Mm. So it's a traumatic event that happened to the entire globe. And we're still dealing with the PTSD. I, I have clients and friends 
who are still afraid of going out, who are yeah. still washing their hands. Um, and that, we can't diminish that. Right. It was very terrifying for people and still is, if we think about India or Brazil, it's still going on at, um, at extraordinary Painful. rates of transmission. And uh, this is part of our world. So we have both global stress and we have kind of more uh, kind of close trauma that we've been through right. through the pandemic. Right. So I'd like to take a turn so that we can try to offer our listeners a little bit more in terms of try, um, some fresh perspectives on how to process your stress, regardless of what it is, your traumas and your, and your stressors. Because again, I think a bottom line is that they all, if we're going to oversimplify and really streamline and bottom line it, it all has to, again, do with fear, right? And the anticipation of something bad happening to us or the anticipation exactly. of dying or the anticipation of something not working out. You bet. Um, right? Yep. So a quick list of um, to help us recognize um, how to help us deal with stress is to number one, learn what the, um, learn what the indications are. Listen to your body. I mean, again, most people know when they're stressed out, but there might be levels to which you don't. There might be places where you might deny it and you're not giving it enough, uh, weight or enough voice. So pay attention to all the ways that your body is feeling jiggy, your moods are feeling jiggy, your behaviors, your habits, um, reaching for vices more than you might, uh, you know, typically there's, there's so many ways to kind of notice the indicators. Also to honor what Steve said earlier, which is the individual signature response and to remember that um, no two people are the same when it comes to the way we are, our relationship with stress. Um, the other thing that we wanted to point out too has to do with um, what I call the HSPs, highly sensitive people. Um, <laughs> Steve's giving the thumbs up, who are more prone to, to high stress and feeling other stuff, which is very unsolicited. It could be that they're walking down the street and you see somebody and you feel, you can hear their thoughts and feel their pain and know what experience they had that morning um, that was difficult for them. And you take that on, which is a whole other level of, a uh, whole other layer of stress, right? There's a whole group of people called empaths. Right. I have some of that. I had some of that growing up. Yeah. And you probably did too. I do. And I have a combo because my constitution is not highly sensitive person, but uh -huh. my sensitivity is extremely vast. So I could react to somebody before they did something. Right. It was just like an aroma that came out mm. of their body. Mm. And I was already reacting. Yeah. So uh, I've had to live with that. It's not a large group of people, but as you say, and my daughter is like this, they're very, very sensitive to all kinds of situations. So they can be run by the amygdala too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the spiritual lens, the spiritual piece of this when it comes to suffering and beingness and what the Buddha says about what's, where suffering comes from. Oh, you, you want to hear from the Buddha? I do. I'd like to hear from the Buddha today. Okay. So... The, there was something called the first noble truth. Mm -hmm. There are four noble truths. So the first one and most important one is that uh, human suffering, the greatest human suffering comes from an attachment or an obsession with one's own thinking. Right. And I said it differently than he did, but I wanted to do it so it was more simple. <laughs> what he said was an attachment to that which is transitory. Right, or temporary was, or changing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the fact that we have 80,000 thoughts a day. Mm -hmm. And they're moving through us at just breakneck speed. Right. And if we're very attached to them, and we have a lot of fear and our imagination is strong, we can have very powerful stress responses. Yes, we do. And we can paint all kinds of really fascinating stories in our minds, don't we? Because you and I, while well, you're not so good at that anymore, I'm still really good at it. 
creating these narratives that we attach to. So if people just want to go with us here for a minute, because again, this is, you know, we, we try to be sensitive. We, we try to offer the spiritual lens and the psychological lens, but some would say sometimes the spiritual lens might uh, run the risk of being a little um, unrealistic or a little too woo. But I think one of the things that you and I really talk about a lot on the show, that is another one of our kind of spiritual bottom lines and aspirational um, sort of dogmas is that I, in, in the purest sense of a spiritual ride, the purest sense, the most master, masterful sense, nothing about our days, nothing about our moods, um, really would be dictated by outside circumstances. Right. Well, right. The, the, the way that works is if we've developed enough alignment with our being, right, knowing that the being is eternal, then the ways of the world aren't as powerful. The impressions that they make aren't as deep. And so that's why we always talk about meditation and mindfulness on the show. Because anybody who's practiced for even a few months will notice the difference because they're not as seduced by matter. They're not as seduced by circumstance. They're not as seduced by their own thoughts and feelings. And over a period of time, you get to a place where you're not seduced at all. And so you can watch, you can witness things happening, have an open heart, participate, but not be overly stressed. Right. And the space between everything we've talked about so far and all the stresses that we humans deal with and how bogged down and painful they can be and what you're speaking of, a pure form of um, or pure state of beingness, there's a huge gap in between. Even actually the Buddha said this too, right? The longest road is between our head and our heart. So beingness being our heart and fear and amygdala and everything we've talked about being in our minds, our brains. And this is not to say it's imagined, it's just to say they come from two different places. Right. What we would want to suggest here is maybe there's some way to honor the space in between and to create more space, to figure out a way to separate out, to not always get lured in, to catch yourself when you're feeling pulled in by that web or <clears throat> excuse me that web or that net of um stress and drama that sucks us in every day um to find ways to witness it and to look at it and to observe it instead of feeling like you're owned by it yeah at its mercy right that's and a good we've one, been yeah. at its mercy often yes right a life yeah, is humans filled, a life is filled with being at the mercy of uh, the amygdala right because we're afraid and anything could happen at any moment. And just talking about it right now is making me shake. <laughs> I hope not. I hope I'm not stressing you out with my, <laughs> with this show. Um, but as you, you know, you always remind me of in any spiritual practice or spiritual book would, you know, or mindfulness exercise would ultimately remind people of is that our natural state our God-given rightful inheritance state is one of joy and love and peace and balance and happiness. And it's waiting for us. And then the trick is to remember that, to start peeling away these layers and these stresses and these daily dramas that pull us in every day so that we can remember that well of deliciousness that lives inside of all of us. Perfectly said, Callie. But also easy to say doing it is a whole different thing. So let's try to offer a little bit more about how you close that gap before we get to our actual action steps for today. You know, we speak to somebody like our caller early, Nikki, who called and is going through a lot of difficult, challenging, physical and emotional um, and traumatic things all at the same time. And it sounds like for an extended period of time, you've got the other side of the continuum that we're just playing with right now, which is remembering our state of pure joy and peace and bliss but how in the world does any human being get from point A to point B? Is that my question? That's my question to you. Okay. And my rhetorical question to myself that I ask every day. Well, I would say the first thing to do is learn to relax. Yeah. 
So how do you relax? Um, you can relax by taking yoga. You can relax by walking in the woods. You can relax by taking a big bath, a warm big bath with salt in it. It's very right, Epsom salt. That's like you. You're like the Epsom salt man. I think we're gonna have to get you a commercial gig. They're sponsoring the show. <laughs> they are. I forgot. Right. <laughs> so. Do anything you can to pull out of your normal, in quotes, rut or stress-filled day. Call a friend. Do something. So that would be step one. Actually, After, may I? I want to. I, want, I don't yeah, mean to. You, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I just want to go back. I also just want to make sure we're really clear that I think step point five before you get to step one is honoring your feelings, which I always say, so that we make sure we're not doing the bypass. That if you're really feeling in pain that you get it out in whatever way you find a therapist, you call a friend, you write it, you scream into your pillow, you hug a tree, whatever you need to do just to honor what your experience is first. Okay. So should we make that step one? Sure. All right. So that's step one. And then step two is finding ways to relax. Step three takes a little bit more work and willfulness which is really beginning to understand how the amygdala is getting triggered, which would be, what are my fears? Mm. And uh, I always find it's a great thing to make a list of your fears and then start with the easiest one first and have a talk with it and see if it's reacting to something that's still real or is it imaginary? So, you know, I like to talk to my fears. That, that to me, would be step three. And that's bold. I mean, that takes a commitment and a decision because we're also, again, so accustomed to our, our natural reflexes to try to run away from or avoid our fears rather than making friends with them. Yeah, well, I, them. So it's a decision. I have a saying, which is, is walk gently toward your fears. Don't run from them. Mm. And if they see you walking toward them, they're more likely to have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And what they're really doing is they're trying to have a relationship with you because they're all alone and isolated <laughs> and they keep reminding you of how bad life is, but they don't want to keep doing that. Right. They want you to love them, don't they? They do. They want you to understand them and why they feel pain. So that's number three. Number four, do you want to say number four? Um, I don't know that I have a number four yet. For me, number, sure. four, yeah. number four would be in the relaxation category, right. taking another step, mm. which would be yoga, mm -hmm. meditation, mindfulness, progressive relaxation. There's so much on the Internet. You know, if you want any of this information... It's available in a split second. Right. People will teach you to meditate, relax, all kinds of things. You know, I'm thinking about, and then we'll get to our action steps in a moment. I'm thinking about, I, I've mentioned this before, Dan Millman, who's a, a favorite writer, um, author of mine of a lot of great spiritual books, most um, notably The uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And uh, we had him do a, um, an online course pretty recently at Omega Institute, where I work. And he told a story about how somebody on, recognized him on the street years back and said, hey, you're that guy, and I bet you're really expensive, but I'd love to hear your advice. Is there anything you could just tell me right now? And he said, I'll give you six words. Here and now, breathe and relax. And that was his, like, million-dollar answer. So to your point, you know, it really is just about remembering to create some space. Beautiful. So should we, should we get to our more specific action steps? For sure. All right. So these are ways that we hope we can offer people to maybe just to implement um, or streamline a lot of what we share today and to help you get on your path to forming a different relationship with your stressors. So first one would be to make a list of your top five stress triggers. And next to each one, make a note of which fear is attached to that trigger. 
is there a theme to notice? And simply to sit with that, it kind of overlaps a little what Steve was just saying about writing down different fears, but more specifically, just to see if there's um, something that's speaking to you that you might not even be conscious of that might help you just to soften up the uh, stress a little bit. The next one is the next time a, a small stress comes up, something that's pretty manageable, see if you can practice a little more neutrality from it. Like, can you catch yourself before you react and respond differently and just pick a different reaction? And then finally, one of um, your favorite breathing exercises. Do you want to share this one? Oh, yeah. A wonderful exercise. If you're having um, a stress, stressor, or having a fight with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, or dog. And so <laughs> what you want to do is you want to take a nice, very, very big, deep breath in hold it as long as you can and then let it out completely and if you do that two or three times you'll notice your body feels much more relaxed and you'll be able to get back into the situation more quickly mm, with, that one, and with more ease yeah that's almost like the adult version of count to ten yeah like when you you're go. a kid and someone you're angry and your mom says you know go over in the corner and take a time out and count to ten it's very similar just to well, create some space between you and your reaction, right? We're all children. We are. That's true. <laughs> so to repeat our action steps, um, first one, make a list of your top five stress triggers. Next to each one, make a note of what fear is attached to that trigger. And is there a theme that you can notice and just become more aware of? Try to have some, try to have some fun with your stress. It might be just an interesting way to create a new relationship with it. Second one is the next time a small stressor comes up. See if you can practice a neutral attitude. So if somebody in your family does something that annoys you or the toilet seat's not put down, maybe instead of, you know, um, barking at whomever that is, you could just take a minute and breathe or find a way to, you know, chuckle about this behavior or whatever. It might be something that's just a shift because these little shifts make a difference. And see if you can catch yourself before you um, you have that reaction and try to respond differently. And then finally, Steve's beautiful breathing exercise. When you're in a moment where you need a where you need a moment, breathe in, hold it as long as you can, and then quickly blow all the air out and repeat that two or three times. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us for our stress-free living show. We hope we've helped you to soften some of the edges around your own personal stresses. We feel you. We want to thank Unity Online Radio. Please find our podcast um, on this website. You can also find us and some of our daily uh, inspirations and quotes at ins, um, at One Soul Radio. Sorry, One Soul Radio on Instagram. We're also at One Soul Radio Podcast on Facebook. We'd love for you to engage with us if you have topics or questions you want to share. Next week, we're going to do a big uh, 180. Can't wait, Callie. <laughs> I can't wait either. I hope to learn a lot. The happiness challenge. Would you like to be happier every day? Well, we're going to try to help you be happier on a daily basis in little ways, which hopefully will amount to big ways. So please join us. Same place, same time. We're grateful to our listeners. We're grateful to Unity Online Radio. Thank you all and have a good blessed week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.